Chapter 5 Weeks passed as the blank spot on the ground that marked off the site of the new chapel grew into a foundation. Peter progressed from making bricks to actually laying them, and Finn, though constantly looking for reasons to sneak out to the chapel site to see what was going on, was taken to Bartimaeus with increasing fondness. She and Bartimaeus took long walks in the countryside each morning under the pretense of looking for wild herbs, and this was the high point of Finn's day. Though they would often bring back some root or herb, the primary and unspoken reason for these walks was simply to get away from the bustle of the orphan house for a while, to walk and to talk, and to enjoy the quietude of small company. Most days Bartimaeus prattled on about the movement afoot to declare independence from England. Finn didn't much understand all this talk about stamp acts and taxation and representation, but she tended to be very keen on the idea that the Crown had no business telling Georgians what to do. Why should we even care what King George says? If someone I didn't know told me to give them money, they'd have a knuckle in their ear, said Finn, indignant. What if that someone was twenty feet tall and breathed fire and ate your children if he didn't pay his due, eh? The king's a king, missy. Got himself armies and navies and governors and what all to see he's listened to. He's a stranger, but he's no vagrant, see here. Well, we should just kill them all, then. Bartimaeus chuckled. Huh. And who'd be doing that killing, and who'd be killed? There's no army but the kings, and half the British in the colonies is friends and family to them what you'd have dead. Nasty business it is. Well, they've no right telling us what to pay or what to do. Well, I reckon if you ask the king yourself, he'd tell you God gave him the right by making him king. But more than that, it was the king what built the roads and raised up the towns. Was the king what give land to the folks to live here in Ebenezer? Folks around here got long memories and few are anxious to do wrong by them that done right. Well, have you ever been to England? Oh, yes, yes, I've, I've been, he said, and I don't wish to go again. He frowned and looked somewhat ruffled. Well, you've been on a ship, then. Tell me about ships and the sea. I've never seen the ocean. Finn could hardly contain her excitement. Ah, the sea. His eyes focused on some far distant place and the wheels of memory creaked to life inside of him. I remember first looking on it and thinking I'd come to the edge of the world. So far, so wide, so perfect it was. My young eye couldn't fathom the distance of it. I was nineteen when I saw it first, twenty when it took me for its own, on a merchant ship out of New Orleans, carried me across to far London and a new world, old world, see here? All green and blue, and God himself walked with me and talked with me across that foamy deep. Then his eyes darkened and refocused on some angled space where wheels of regret screamed and strained. But it's different now, see here? The blue, the green, they gone, turned cold. A gray waste what leads to poisoned shores and broken beauty. Now life's just, he waved his hand in the air, a walk among ruins. His eyes swam back to the present and stared into the shadows. What happened? Finn whispered. Or to mass? Things I wish had not. He said it with finality. He was done speaking. He turned quietly without looking at her and headed back toward the orphan house. Finn stared after him, then ran to catch up. They walked home in uneasy silence. For the rest of the day, they labored with few words between them. Whatever Finn had stirred up in Bartimaeus had rattled him and left him quiet and dark. Finn felt guilty that she'd brought up the questions that caused his dour mood 
but all attempts she made to smooth it over or lighten his spirits resulted in little more than downcast eyes and indistinct mumblings about not having time to talk. She was frustrated not only at him but at herself. She wanted to make things right but didn't know how to go about it. After dinner, Bartimaeus approached her looking very much more serious than he normally did. Miss Button, something I want to show you. Sister Hilda wouldn't approve, I reckon. He was almost whispering. About sundown, make your way down to the river. Careful not to let Sister Hilda see you. Finn nodded. She was baffled, worried, and a bit excited. Once the dining hall was clean, Bartimaeus gave her a wink and shooed her out the door. She found Peter sitting on the chapel steps, waiting for her as he did every day. Well, dinner was good. Did you cook it? Peter asked. Thanks, and yeah, sort of. Well, no. He tells me what to do, but then just ends up doing most everything himself. I think he enjoys it too much. She laughed. And he's in a weird mood today. Finn told Peter about their talk in the woods and then about her secret meeting at the river. What do you think it is? said Peter. I haven't got the faintest clue, but you should come. Just follow and be quiet. You sure that's a good idea? Oh, it's a terrible idea, but when has that ever mattered? She grinned at him. It's probably just an old toadstool you can only find at night or something like that. She waved and ran out the gate toward the river. Peter waited a moment and then shook his head and followed. When Finn got to the riverbank, she spotted Bartimaeus. He had a small fire lit and was sitting on a log with a black carrying case lying next to him. Safely escaped Sister Hilda, I take it? Finn grinned. Now, let's see here he said as she sidled up next to him on the log. He picked up the case and set it on his lap. You remember that little bit I was running on about earlier, going to sea and all that? Finn nodded. Well, that hauls up a whole lot of stuff I come here to get away from. Hurtful stuff, see here? And you think I might not know it, but I see a sort of hurting in you sometimes. I'm thinking you might have some old angry stuff tucked away over the way Sister Hilda and the good Lord treat you. Maybe about your folks, too. He patted the case gently. This here's what I want to show you. It's what old Bartimaeus learnt to do with all that hurtful stuff. Learnt long ago you got to put it somewhere. You got to get it out from inside you and put it somewhere. That stuff can eat you up from the insides, eat you up till there's nothing left but hurt. He cocked his head to one side as if listening for something, then spoke into the darkening woods. Peter, me, that's you, he said. Peter stepped out from behind a tree. His face was flushed red with embarrassment. I should have known you'd be following after Miss Button. You come on up. I expect she's going to tell you what I say anyhow. Might as well get it from my own mouth. You come on up. Peter came up and sat down next to Finn. She rolled her eyes at him, thinking she'd taught him better how to sneak without being caught. I'm sorry, Bartimaeus. We tell each other everything, Finn said. That's all right. Nothing going on here ain't good for the both of you. Finn breathed a sigh of relief. Now then, he said, and carefully thumbed the latches on the case. He opened it, and Finn and Peter leaned forward to see what was inside. The box was lined in red velvet, and the bottom half was molded to hold three habitants. The first was a violin, glowing lusty red in the firelight. The curves and luster of it were stunning, feminine. It was the most delicate and graceful thing Finn had ever seen. The second object was the violin's bow, long and elegant, strung with white hair. The third object in the box was a Spanish blunderbuss, made of dark red wood, and adorned with silver flourishes. The handle was engraved with an ornate B, and embellished with festooning swirls and curves. It was as beautiful as the violin, but graceless and menacing. Its barrel flared out like a mouth, yawning open into a scream. 
Now, see here, you got to put that hurt someplace, and this is where old Bartimaeus learned to put his. He lifted the fiddle out of the case and caressed it. It's beautiful, whispered Finn. Aye, he said, and crooked it into his neck. He drew the bow across the strings, and the instrument moaned a forlorn note. Beautiful. That's what you got to do with that hurt, and you got to turn it beautiful. He closed his eyes and began to play. He rocked back and forth on the log and let the song come out of him. He poured all his pain into the void of the violin and gently worked it out, turned it to beauty. Finn and Peter sat mesmerized by the music. They'd never heard anything like it. It was sweet and sad and felt like a lamentation. Neither could say a word. Finn's face flushed red and her eyes glistened with held tears. Bartimaeus lowered the violin. Now, Missy, don't you cry. You didn't have no idea I had that hurtful stuff when you was asking me about them way-back days. I brought you here to show you I could get rid of it, see here? Finn wiped her tears and nodded. What's the gun for? asked Peter. Bartimaeus's face darkened. That's where all that hurting stuff ends up if you don't get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. You don't, and it might just get rid of you, see here? I keeps it there to remind me. I put it down the day I got this fiddle. Swore I'd never take it up again. Done too much hurting. Got to turn that hurt to beautiful, see? Otherwise the hurt turns hateful. And the old hand cannon there like to wake up and do terrible things. Terrible things. The way Bartimaeus said it made Finn shiver. Well, I reckon I rambled on enough for one night. He put the fiddle back in the case and closed the lid. You two run along now. I'm going to sit here and think things out a bit. You'll go on and get some sleep. Finn and Peter said goodnight and walked back up to the orphanage. When they got to the top of the hill, Finn turned around and looked back down toward the river. Bartimaeus was silhouetted against the fire, standing still as an oak, head bowed. She turned away and walked on to bed. <laughs> 